0: All right, what's going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And well, we are continuing in the Back to Baja series. This time around, we got another special guest. If you guys read the title, you know who it is. So we have been working our way through some of the prominent people, some of the new guys, some of the everybody down in Baja. If you guys already heard the episode with Andy Kirker. And before him, Daniel Velasquez. Seth Barnes before that. Lots of really cool stuff going on down in Baja. And we're just a couple of weeks away from the SCORE International Baja 400. So we're absolutely looking forward to that one. Make it down. Man, are we going to go? Are we really physically going to go back to Baja and check out one of these events? It has been a time. It has been some time. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. See it from a different perspective. Go down there a couple days, watch the race early on, and then turn around and hightail it back to San Diego. And yeah, we got more stuff coming up. So we know September right around the corner, and that means end of September, first week of October, it is going to be Baja Rally time. That is going to be coming up, six-day Baja Rally. Promising to be a lot of fun. So we will have one of these guys on the show here in the next couple weeks before the event goes off talk a little bit about the preview show and what these guys are going to expect and all the competitors and stuff like that so i'm absolutely looking forward to it i think it is going to be a great time also baja rally has always been a great time so we'll see what happens down there so without further ado let's see if we can get our guy jason Alosi on the air give him a call here in just a second let's turn down the party So we're going to find out a little bit about him. If you guys heard the update with Lizzie, we know a little bit about him already. So let's get the party turned down and let's get him on the phone. Let's hit that dial button. We're going to phone call him. Jason, how's it going? <laughs> What's going on, sir? How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Just uh, enjoying the warm weather here in San Diego.
1: Oh, well, perfect. Yeah, it's
0: uh, it's pretty warm up here in, uh, in Reno. As well, <laughs> where, where are you located? Uh, Reno, Nevada. Yes, it's warm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it uh, it was a bit delayed this year uh, with the heat, but uh, it, when it finally when it finally rolled in, it's been here for probably a good three weeks. And yeah, we're
0: we're seeing a lot of triple digits. Uh, yeah, do you guys set records? It's like, oh yeah, it's been three weeks of over a hundred degree temperatures, that kind of thing. Uh,
1: it's yeah, I don't know if it's been like quite that warm this year, but um, it seems like in the years the last few years, yes, it's been been unseasonally warm in the summertime. So makes, uh, makes, makes riding a little bit difficult, but, um, it's
0: all good. Well, that that's, uh, actually, you know, well, we could look at it both ways. It sucks to ride during the day, but you know what? You get your practice for riding at night.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should, I should definitely be taking advantage of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So speaking of which, and since you're up in Reno and there happens to be a little bit of desert around you, um, I, how often are you out there riding? do you, do you ride a lot up there?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I, uh, you know, typically my riding is pretty much on the weekends if at all possible. Um, I do have young, you know, two young kids. So, um, that consumes a lot of my time, but, uh, but you know, especially too in the summertime, you know, with the longer evenings, I can, uh, I can try to get out after work and, and, and put in an hour or two of riding. And, um, so yeah.
0: Nice. Very, very nice. And let's see here. So, I'm just making a note really quick here. We got a we got a full calendar. And I know you already talked to Lizzie and you guys uh she got you set up and lined up for uh for today. But yeah, yeah. So all right, tell me a little bit about uh the the racing. I mean you're you're actually it was really cool. You know, we decided to start the ba- back to Baja series. Your dad reached out, and connected us and said, Hey, let's uh let's get him on the show. He's got a uh, he's got a story, so let's let's hear what are we been uh what have we been up to
1: well more recently um this year i decided to i decided to iron man the baja 500 and uh baja 1000. Right. um so i mean there's obviously a, a longer story that, that segues into that but uh but that's that's what i'm currently focused on i uh i just i just uh, completed the baja 500 just a few what about a month and a half or so ago mm-hmm. And, uh, and now I'm, you know, trying to take what I learned from that event and and kind of build upon that and and hopefully, hopefully be more prepared and, and, uh, and ready to go for the Maha 1000. Yeah.
0: Nice. So that is a very interesting side of things. So you're one of the few people out there, uh, that, that chose to sign up for that fresh hell that is the Ironman class. What? Tell me about that one, because not a lot of people like, well, actually let's go back to the other so the show goes to everywhere and there's a lot of people listening that don't know the classes in the score international series. Tell me a little bit about iron man and, and why you got into that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I started my, my Baja racing in 2017. Um, a, a buddy of mine reached out, asked if I wanted to race a, an over 30 pro team. Um, I'd always had the dream of racing in Baja as a kid growing up racing off-road. That's kind of, to me, the kind of the epitome of, of off-road racing. Um so yeah, I went uh, went down there, did that race. Um pretty much from that point on I was hooked. Um rode with a few different teams over the over the few years uh after that. And then it was in 2020, uh after the after after the San Felipe 250, you know, I'm back home, I'm watching the 250, and I kind of was like, Man, what you know, I have experience down there, I have a ton of experience racing off-road, and I said, well, why am I not putting my own team together? You know. And, uh, I decided, you know what, let's, let's go ahead and let's, let's put an effort together and let's see what we can do. And it was decided that we were going to race the pro unlimited class, which is, that's the, that's the, the top class in the score international series for bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I assembled a team. It was, uh, it was myself, Wyatt Brittner and, and Ross Neely. And, uh, we went down there and, um. I think we started fourth, you know, we kind of worked our way up through the pack. Uh, we were behind the 5X team of, uh, I believe it was Colton Udall, uh, Nick Garvin, and Derek Osebauer. And uh, pretty much we were one-two most of the day. We had some struggles. I know they they ended up having some struggles as well. Um, ended up, uh, that team ended up getting a pretty significant penalty, which we finished second physically. And and uh, actually, we were, at the end of the day, we were actually credited with the with the overall motorcycle win at the Baja 500. So, Uh, It was kind of a crazy, crazy way to win the race. You know, not, not ideal, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but nonetheless, it it was really cool to do that. So there again, I kind of was like, I put my own team together. We went down there. We did well. I mean, even if, even if we didn't get the win, right. I mean, our goal was a top three. Mm -hmm. Uh, We went down there. We exceeded that expectation. So it was like, Hey, you know, let's, let's continue. I want to do the 400 and let's do the thousand, which we did. Um, That segued into the 2021 series where I said, okay, you know, because the, the rule within score is to be, to be considered for a, a end of the year championship or points position, uh, you have to do all the races. And and there's a total of four races, mm-hmm. which consists of the 250 400, or two fifty five hundred four hundred one thousand. 500, 400, 1000. So in 21, I decided, you know what, let's do them all. Let's see where, let's see where we end up at the end of the year. So uh, we did that. I've had a few different uh, teammates throughout this endeavor, but um But yeah, we we did that. We uh, ended up second uh, in the championship uh, last year. But basically, you know, once we got done, once I got done with that, you know, it was a lot of work um, to put my, you know, it was basically I was the one putting the team together, you know, building the bikes, planning logistics, um, you know, funding a, a large portion of the effort myself. And, you know, as you can imagine, that that was pretty taxing. Um, not to mention, I'm also, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my late thirties. I'll actually be uh, 40, uh, later this year. And it kind of maybe hit me. I was like, man, you know, it's, it's really tough to go down there and compete with some of these guys. You know, there's some, there's some younger kids now with Clayton Roberts and Arturo Salas. And, and, uh, you know, those guys are doing really good. And, and it's like, man, maybe, I, maybe I don't have, you know, maybe I just don't have that outright speed anymore to do this. So kind of, you know, fast forward into this year. You know, I, I spent several months after the Baja 1000 uh, last year. I was just like, what am I going to do? You know, I, I don't want to stop racing down there. I really love it. So I kind of always had this thing in the back of my head. I was like, why don't I go down and try to Ironman some of these events? I, uh, I had Ironman Vegas Torino in 2020 um, and, and came away with the Ironman Pro win there. So I had a little bit of experience, uh, stateside Ironman in a long distance event, but, but never in Mexico. And I knew, I knew down in Baja, it would be much tougher. However, I decided, you know what, let's not focus on all four races. Let's, you know, for, for 2023, let's just focus on, let's, let's focus on the 500 and the 1000. And so that, that was my goal. In in my opinion, and I think that's shared with many is the 500 to 1000, those are, those are the bigger events of the four. And I just decided, Hey, you know what? It was probably about three months before the Baja 500. I said, all right, I've got the bikes, let's go ahead and get them prepped up. And now let's get myself physically prepared to go do this. Um, you know, overall I was in pretty decent shape, but it was like, I've, I've never ridden that distance in, in Baja and the rough terrain that, you know, in the heat and everything that goes along with it. So, uh, but yeah, more than anything, the decision to race the Ironman pro class was, uh, honestly just to, just to kind of push myself physically. You know, I I knew I had, I have a good pace and I figured if I can, if I could figure out how to just ride that pace for the duration of the race, I think I'll be in a pretty good, pretty good spot at the end of the day. So, um, you know, it was kind of a bucket list thing to, you know, for lack of a better term that, uh, Hey, I wanted to, wanted to go do it. And so, Yeah. As of right now, we're, we're about halfway done with that goal. So.
0: Nice. That, and what was the, I mean, there, there's a lot of the, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. And, and especially when you have a team that you put together, it's like, okay, well, you're going to handle race logistics. I need you to plan. All right. What are the writing sections? What are this, what's the fuel like, you know, all of that, you know, using things like Baja pits or, or any of that, the services, but then when you go to the when you switch mentalities and you switch the mindset to to the iron man side of things, how does that work like you 're it you know do you do you still have a team? Does somebody still help you on that kind of stuff or, or what's what does that look like
1: well you know honestly um i mean yes i do I do have uh, some some individuals you know my dad in particular, my good buddy Robert McAdam, my good buddy james Chavez um, Dan spring, those guys have really been super helpful as I've in, in, in the team aspect, as well as when I decided to take this on solo. Um, yeah, it's, it, but it's weird. It's, it's a totally different mindset. Um, one that I wasn't really sure, you know, I would be able to catch on to, uh, mainly like I mentioned to Lizzie was the, the, the difference was, is I, my entire racing career, I've raced motocross, National Hare and Hounds, you know a lot of off-road races. You know, like hundred mile an hour Hare and Hound type races, hair scrambles. And, and the goal in, in any one of those races is is to sprint right the entire time. It's to go as fast as possible for that duration. And and even as a team down in Mexico, it, it's essentially the same, right? You you go down there a week in advance. You have your section lined out, right? And and you pre-run that section all week. You get the section dialed. And come race day, the goal is to go as fast as possible in that specific section. Now, going into Ironman, I was like, okay, you know, I got to take a different approach to this because there's no way. I had estimated that I'd probably, at, for the 500, I'd be on the bike for 13, 14 hours, you know? So I'm like, okay, well, I definitely cannot go as fast as possible for 13 <laughs> to 14 hours. So it's like, what? now, now where is that? Where's that? uh, Where's that? Where's that pace? Right? Like, what is the right pace for this? And I didn't know that, you know, like you kind of try to tweak it a little bit when you're pre running, you know, you're trying to figure out like, what pace can I sustain for 500 miles? And, and that was definitely the biggest learning curve for me. Um, But, but kind of going back to just even the prep things. Um, regardless if it was the team or as doing this as a solo rider, um, as far as like the planning and the logistics, I, I pretty much take a, a, the big portion of that on. Um, like I said, I, I do have some support that, that helps me out, but I don't know. It's maybe it's just, uh, just one of those things where I think my experience really comes in the experience that I've gained over the years. It just really helps me. And, so, and some of it actually comes easy. Um, I have enough experience in Baja right now to where I I have a pretty good feel for the the area and and knowing like, okay, we can get a chase vehicle here or not, or, you know, let's do the pits here because, you know, this section's rough, you know, we may need to change a tire, things like that. So yeah, it, you know, uh, it's, I, 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 I take a lot of it on myself. Um, and it's, it's several months of preparation, so um, I wouldn't say much of it that has changed between the team aspect and, and doing it solo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, honestly, some of it's a little bit easier because I don't have to worry about what section somebody's doing. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I'm doing, I'm doing all of them. Yeah. So, um, you know, it takes a, you know, it backs out a little bit of a, a you know, dynamic to it. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. So what section are you doing? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, 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 really? No. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> was yeah, it, it was it was pretty funny too because i went to register
1: at the bottom and i went to the registration and was signing up and and i got a tap on the shoulder and this uh older gentleman he uh he said hey you know jason losey um you know i'd like to have an interview when, when you're done here and and, and all, the whole premise of the, the interview was honestly like hey you've been down here you've had success as a team um so what made you decide to do the iron class yeah. and it kind of caught me off guard right i guess uh I, I know I'm not the first to do it by any means, but I guess uh, you know they they do kind of scratch their heads a little bit. You know, even people within the organization, they're like, "Man, you go from having a team to, you know, what what's going through your head to, to want to do this solo?" You know, um, but I, honestly, I just like the challenge. You know, maybe maybe I don't have the pace to run up front anymore, uh, but I do I do want to push myself physically. I kind of want to see where those limits are. I want to see. I want to see if I can, you know, if I can go the distance. Yeah.
0: It, it becomes, I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, it becomes that, that challenge of, can I actually do this? And, you know, in a section, like in a team section, right? You, you know, you got a hundred miles, like you were saying earlier, right? You got a hundred miles, you know, you're going to push a hundred percent, hundred miles, like just do it. Now you got 400 miles, you know, coming up, uh, rough, you know, roughly right. Rounding the number. I, I can kind of see that it's like okay I, all of this is me when i get to the finish line it was my effort on the bike obviously there's people helping you off the bike you know it's not discounting what they do but it, i I can see that there's a, it's like a different achievement like way more extreme than hey i rode my 80 miles i rode my 100 miles i did my 120 miles as fast as i could didn't lose any positions didn't do anything of like this is you're still competing against other people. I think an iron man, it switches to you're competing against the entire race course and yourself.
1: Yes, absolutely. That, that is, uh, so that was, that was a little tough for me at first to, to kind of wrap my head around because there, again, you know, you're always as, as a, in, as a team, you're kind of focused on, you know, battling with the other team, you know, where are you at? Are you gaining time? Are you losing time? Like, you know, what's, you know, pit strategy almost, right? It comes down to a lot of that. Um, whereas, yes, my, my outlook going into this uh, as an Ironman was, uh, that's my main goal is is to cross that finish line, right? Do, you know, deep down, do I feel like I have the pace that could potentially win the class? Yes, but honestly, like you kind of have to just step back a little bit because there's so many miles before you ever get to the finish line. So it's like, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. It's like, you know, your focus needs to be going out there writing, you know, kind of maybe almost taking it into sections. Right. Which is kind of what I did. It was like, Hey, I know that, okay, I'm going to see my pit crew at, you know, said race mile. Right. And it's like, okay, your focus is from there to there. Right. Obviously in the back of your head, you still have to say, well, I still got 300 miles after that. So don't, don't push yourself. But it's like, Hey, Kind of break it down into manageable sections, do it, you know, and then kind of, you know, build on top of that. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a totally different mindset, you know, going into it. And and honestly, at the end of the day, yes, your 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 main competitor is the course. It's the course. It's the heat. It's the making sure you don't have any mechanicals, right? I mean, that's really what it is because. It, you'll easily make mistakes when you get tired and the heat kind of just it'll, it'll zap your energy, you know, and, and it's really easy to make a mistake and mistakes in Baja, regardless of what class you're in or whatever you're doing or, or it could be really big. So. Yep.
0: It's, it, it's always waiting for you and it's very patient. It will, it will wait years to bite you if you're not, you know, in that that one lapse in focus, which is crazy because if you're, you're doing the entire thing it's all your focus like for the next i mean we'll just go with 24 hours for the next 24 hours you're literally just focused on one thing is literally just riding the bike through this terrain and and not making those mistakes
1: absolutely and and the terrain down in in baja is is unforgiving it's uh it's really unlike any other terrain i mean i live in northern nevada we you know we have a lot of desert up here um and, you know, I deal with rocks and sand and you name it. But down there, it's so bizarre. You know, you, you could be in a really sandy section and there are just, just just a rock embedded, you know, into the, the you know, the front side of a whoop or something. you know, and that's just stuff you normally normally once you kind of get a feel for the terrain, it's kind of like, OK, it's sandy here. You kind of let your guard down, take a breather. But down there, that's just not possible. It, you know, there's just so many things that can jump out and bite you. Um, I mean, you could be cruising along going through some whoops that are pretty consistent and all of a sudden there's just a really deep one or one's a little bit more separated than the other one. And that's honestly all it takes. And and you're on the ground. So, yeah, you uh, you don't want to let your guard down. So, you know, for for the duration of the race, it's it's
0: pretty mentally uh, taxing as well as physically. I, you know, I can only, I can only imagine, you know, and I, and I'm thinking like, okay, well, yeah, I ride my adventure bike 300 miles and that's a pretty good, you know, that's a really good day, but there's not, um, there's not as much focus, uh, intense focus as there is like, you can still take in the sights and you can do all that stuff, but literally you're going to be looking at every inch, every foot of race course in a critical manner at those speeds, not like. You know, you, oh look, this looks pretty out here. This is this is awesome.
1: Yeah, there's there's unfortunately, you know, Baja has some, has some beautiful scenery and and, and terrain, but uh, yeah, you uh, and, and it's tough too because you know sometimes when you're going along the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> right? Like yeah. sometimes, like it was like race day, like it was like the weather was great, the sun was good, and I mean you kind of almost have to just take a look and just take it in, right? But, uh, but it's like, okay, that's, that's a, a brief deviation. Now it's time to, <laughs> to, yeah. to, to, to get your focus back on the course. Yeah.
0: And now we're back. <laughs> the, so that, okay. So that's actually, that's a really, you know, a really good one. So, uh, in, in, in my instance, I remember there was a section north of, uh, it is just north of the, in San Felipe, just north of the highway that connects from Ojos to, Uh, you know, El Crucero, that area. And not, it's not in Borrego. It was kind of coming back towards Borrego. There's a section where you're in a Canyon and it's like, they went in there and made these huge berms. It's not a very deep Canyon, but I just remember back in the day when we were racing five sixteen, it was like the funnest section ever. You know, there's just like, it was just like perfect. Everything was just, just right. What is, I mean, what's that section for you down there?
1: Um, wow. Um, that's a, that's a good question. You know, uh, honestly, some of it, uh, I've done a lot of, even as a team, I have done a lot of riding and racing at San Felipe more than I, I would care to probably do, uh, most of the time just because of how rough it is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I do whenever I, whenever I do get along the coastal sections, uh, on the Pacific side, it's, uh, you know, normally it's kind of rocky. There's some cobbly rock and whatnot, but um, and there are some sandy sections depending on which which route the course goes. But that's, I mean, that's just tough to beat, right? Especially depending on what time of day you hit it. Um, like at the one thousand last year, I was coming up the Pacific uh, side, and and there were some evenings where you know you're you're, you're doing pre running and you kind of actually catch the sunset. I mean, that's just that's tough to beat, right? It, to me, you you just don't see that anywhere else, and so. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I do enjoy the the coastal sections whenever I whenever I get to nice to ride it.
0: Yeah, the what's the the section that comes in from the? I don't think they ride it that much anymore. Where the orphanage is, so Rancho Santa Marta, and then you go into the coast and you come up, you show up on the on the plateaus, and it gets you to the water, and then that's where it dumps down, and there's that little half moon bay there. Or Cove?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So actually, I believe we did race that at the 500 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually... I believe what we do is we, we came over the crossover road, mm-hmm. and then we crossed Highway 1, went towards the coastal side, and then kind of headed... I believe we actually headed north, like, towards uh, Rancho Santa Marta, but we didn't... I think we kind of stayed on the coastal side and went up and then came out uh, Came out by... Uh, what was it? Santo... Santa uh, Santo Tomas.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the typical... The, I, I say the typical right, the typical coast section that's got that hill climb leaving. Uh, what is it? That Calavera Beach is kind of mm-hmm. rocky. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, but that section, you know, that plateau at sunset when you get to it, like you you're coming at it for a while, and then all of a sudden, it just like drops off, and there's the Pacific Ocean, which is really yeah. awesome. Okay, so we're on the, yeah. we're on the same page there. Uh, okay, the last absolute section that you would not want to ride or stay away from down there.
1: Well, um, this 500 was probably the first time that I've ever actually ridden or raced the, uh, I guess what they call the traditional summit. Mm-hmm. Um, I had done, I guess, the other summit, so that's it's kind of confusing. But um, I would ridden the the older or other summit of both directions and multiple times. Uh, but this one, actually, from uh, basically what they call the Honda House, up and over to the the north side of San Felipe or the north end of San Felipe. Yeah, we we did the summit section, and um, you know the course. There's you know you see the stuff on social, right, when the course map comes out, and you know there's a lot of grumbling, you know how difficult it is for like the four wheel vehicles and so forth. And, and normally, as a bike guy, you're you're, you're like, well, you know, not, not that big of a deal. Um, we can make it through that type of stuff, but, um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was, uh, you know, I pre-ran it, my, my, my goal actually pre-running this year, just to kind of conserve my, my, my body was, you know what, I'm going to pre-run this thing one time and then I'm going to race it. You know, I, I didn't really see the, the, the value and, and continuing to rerun a section and beat myself up. It's like, let's go see it one time. Let's make sure there's no, uh no, uh, you know, no surprises and let's go do it. So going through that section, of pre-running, I went through it. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's not bad. Right. You know, but, uh, becoming race day, you kind of underestimate that you're probably riding, you know, that extra maybe 10%, right. Or 15% or, or whatever it is. Cause keep in mind, I'm doing an Ironman class. So like I'm not going all out, mm-hmm. but I'm, but I'm obviously pushing more than I would on a pre-run type case, and uh man you go through there and it's kind of like you know you go through these rocks and boulders and you're like okay yeah this is a little relentless <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> you know and you're kind of getting beat up and you're like dang so um yeah that that was pretty tough but um but uh you know honestly some of those sections down in san felipe uh they're just they're just unforgiving miles and miles and miles of whoops, you know and and uh you know it, it doesn't take too long before your back starts lighting up so yeah either, either one of those sections a lot of that uh, a lot of the whoops in san felipe and, and, and maybe that summit section those are probably not
0: my my favorite not, not the ones you're in a hurry to do and they're in, and yeah they're i mean just to the the quick spec on it right when you leave san felipe and you're heading north towards three poles it's roughly about what i I think it's like a 60 mile stretch i think that they they put in there i don't remember the entire way is pretty much whoops and then i remember there's yeah. there's sections like into the access roads where you'll be heading north and then you'll head west really quick you turn and you think like okay cool we're gonna get a break no it's just a whole another road of you know a whole another few miles and then you turn north again and then same thing and so very very it, it's better going south i think when you go from three yeah pools. yeah the whoops are shaped yeah, differently. There,
1: Yeah, exactly. Depending on, you know, which direction they ran the previous race courses, and, and things of that nature but you also got to understand too right it's not just four that's running races down there there's several other organizations running the same the same course the same stuff multiple directions right so that's it just it just never gets it never gets a, a chance to recover nor does it really get a lot of moisture down there either, either right so there's not a lot of recovery time in the land so yeah it's it's brutal it just continues to get worse and worse and um, but you know, uh, you know, I need that going into racing down there and, and, uh, while I'm in it, yeah, it sucks. I'm not going to lie. I'm, uh, it's, I'm not, it's not enjoyable, but, uh, but when you get done or when you get through that section, you're like, okay, good. You know, you can kind of huge sigh of relief and it's like, okay, so. But uh, yeah, it's a
0: challenge. Uh, I, I can only imagine. I tried it once. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm like, there's no way that these guys are riding the line. So I like went in both directions, east and west of the race course, just to see if I could spot tracks and there weren't any. So I was like, okay, that means they are taking this road up in this, in this particular section that I did. And I was just like blown away. I'm going, this is nuts. I don't know how these guys are doing this. It's just. It's great. I mean, the holes are literally three and four feet deep.
1: Yeah, we, that and the, and they're not, they're not bike whoops, mm-hmm. right? They're, 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 they're created based on a lot of the four wheel vehicles, right? So you have various wheelbases, you know, you have the trophy trucks, buggies, the side by sides, right? And it's just like, so there's no real consistency mm-hmm. to the spacing of the whoops, like pretty much anywhere I ride up here. In my area, right, it's, it's mostly bike loops, right? I mean, obviously, side by side are, are becoming huge, and they're all over the place. But generally, right, it, it's a bike loop. So yeah, you know, you can, you know, carry your speed, you can kind of stay on top of them. And it's not that, you know, it's taxing, yes, but it's not that big of a deal. But down there, it, it's really hard to find a rhythm. Mm-hmm. just because of the inconsistency of the whoops they're just they're so random like i say you can kind of get into a groove and then all of a sudden there's either this massive deep one or for whatever reason it's spread apart and it's just like throws you out of your rhythm and now you're now you're pounding them yeah. <laughs> so you know it's just it's really yeah it's a challenge you know that's but you know that's, that's i guess that's
0: part of the part of it so yeah, part part of the suffering and part of yeah. the, you know, and obviously it is part of the adventure, but that, you know, that, that does bring up something interesting. I mean, this is, if anything else, it's, it's a suspension thing and making sure that the bike is dialed in. I think that one of the similarities that the Ironman class has to, to rally, um, is, is the same one in the same, right? That you know, it's only that single rider. So you have to worry a lot about setting up the bike and doing all of these different things. What was the, the transition when you like, okay, you, you had a team, you guys were riding one bike and then you went to the Ironman side of things. What was bike prep like? Like, how did you prep the bike differently? Is there different things going on when you switch from a team to, to just you?
1: Um, overall the, the, the main bike prep was the same. Um, you know, the, the, the main objective there is to make sure that this bike is going to, is going to make it right. You're, you're, Double checking, triple checking things, um, you know, things that maybe you know, wear items that maybe you're like, oh, it's a it's a thermal hair hound race. Yeah, that's not a big deal. Whatever, no big deal, right? It's like you're you're looking at the stuff and you're like, well, you know, like I said earlier, like yeah, the bike's gonna be running for probably 13 hours, right? So you have to take a different approach to it. It's like if it's even in question, it's like replace it, right? So there's. That, that was the same in that aspect. The, the main difference between bike setup, uh, between a team and a, and an Ironman was, was honestly suspension. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as a, as a pro team where you're riding a shorter section and you're, you're really hammering, you know, the ideally, ideally the, the suspension setup is probably a little bit stiffer, um, just because, Hey, you can kind of take that punishment for those sh- shorter durations. Um, but going into this, I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to have to, to soften this thing up a little bit. I'm going to need a little bit more comfort. Um, it's, it's me on this thing all day long. So, um, that's, uh, that is, that was the approach I took. Um, I would say probably still got a little work to do in that department. Um, you know, because there again, even when I was testing this stuff, um, I, I, I worked really well with, uh, with Mark Johnson, REP suspension, and uh, he worked well with me to kind of. To kind of get it where I needed to be, but I kind of missed the mark on, on my end because when I would go out testing, I, I'm kind of sprinting, right? Like I'm 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 kind of in that pro mentality. I'm like I'm charging. I'm like, oh yeah, this stuff works good. Mm-hmm. But I had to kind of back it out. You know, I, at the time I didn't really think about it. It as it's like, hey, it's like, well, that's great. You know, it works good. And when you're charging. But I'm not going to be charging, right? And that that kind of reared its ugly head when when I was out there, probably about a hundred miles, 150 miles into the race, and I'm like, okay, this might be a little rough. <laughs> yeah. So you know, kind of had to kind of had to adapt to it. But uh, that was that was definitely one of the lessons learned. Was uh, was definitely going to need a little bit more comfort when it comes to uh, doing these things solo. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like you said, I mean, you're you're backing down the pace, so you need a bike that's going to ride you know it's going to have that i i'm i just keep thinking you know the the word plush and i know some tuners don't like that word because it's maybe not it can be vague uh but i think it's a widely known you know known term for suspension where yeah you just don't want to feel anything on you know in the hands i think that's the biggest thing right is everything to keep your hands
1: Yeah. Your, your hands, your arms, you know, those things, you kind of, like you say a a, a little bit of plushness, if you will, or comfort. um, It's definitely needed. You know, you're, you, you can quickly tax your arms and your hands by having a bike that's too rigid because basically that's just being translated right up, right up your hands or your arms, upper body, you know, back. Um, But, uh, but there's a balance of course too, right? Because, you know, you're running into San Felipe, you have these big loops, So, you know, that bike has to be able to hold up in that stuff. Um, you know, but you know, Hey, you know, 50 miles later, you're in some hard pack, cobbly, rocky stuff, right? So there, there's where you want that initial part of the stroke to be softer. And so there, there's a, yeah, the, to, to find that balance. And, and that's what one of the, the most challenging thing is with off-road racing, in my opinion, is to find that balance. Um, you know, and then when you, couple that with having teammates that's even more challenging right because you may be different heights different weights and different things you know so essentially you know being being a solo rider um you know it should be a little bit easier because there's only one person you're, you're trying to appease mm-hmm. so um but it's still a challenge nonetheless just because of the varying degree of terrain down there yeah
0: well I, you know i can i can imagine you know it's like you get it right for uh you get it right for one section and it's wrong for the other or it's not optimal. So it's like, you got to kind of pick and choose your battle on, okay, well I know I'm good here. This is what I'm going to set it up for, but you may suffer later.
1: Yeah, Uh, absolutely. There's definitely, there's definitely a give and take, right? There's a trade off. You got to, you want, you want to, you want to set it up, you know, honestly for the best overall as possible, but yeah, there's some times where, you know, you might be like, "Hey, we're going to be running a long time in San Felipe, so you know, maybe let's go a little on the stiffer side mm-hmm. uh, of things, you know, and 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 kind of just maybe tough it out when it's uh, more of a rocky or you know more choppy type section. So, yeah, yeah it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a gamble either way.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, it kind of rolling the dice. You feel like, okay, well, what do we you know what do we choose here? But speaking of choose, we didn't even talk. So, what's the what's the bike of choice? What do you ride? What's the, what's the bike like?
1: So right now, um, right now I, I have a couple, uh, 22 Husky, uh, FX four fifties, um, that I'm racing, uh, that the race bike is, uh, it's, uh, we have a six speed in it. Um, honestly, aside from, uh, you know, pro circuit pipe and some add-ons, um performance wise it's a pre stock engine um those things make enough horsepower i don't think it's it's really necessary i mean even as in the pro class i didn't feel it was necessary to to uh do anything to um you know make it unreliable uh so yeah pretty much pretty much a stock motor Mm -hmm. um you know we do have uh you know we have some good suspension on it we're running uh wp cone valves track shock um but other than that, other than the normal add ons of you know tank and things like that, it's uh, yeah, you know, just stuff to make it more Baja bulletproof. Yeah,
0: what do you guys run for? I mean, I'm used to rally, so in rally, it's like, all right, you, you sure you don't make a six gallon tank because I could really use a six gallon tank. What do you guys run on those?
1: Uh, so right now, um, IMS is a, is a great supporter of mine, and uh, we run, I believe, it's a three gallon tank, okay. uh, might be three one um i do when i pre-run i actually run the four and a half gallon um, ims tank which is great and and honestly it's kind of weird because one of the things with the ktm husky line is you know the bikes are kind of light and honestly in the past like sometimes it it almost feels bike handles better with the bigger tank on it you know obviously your suspension has to accommodate that but um But, you know, we have, you know, we, we utilize Baja pits down there and, you know, they're, they're pretty much set up every 40, 50 miles. So basically it was like, yeah, let's not carry around that extra weight. Let's, let's go with the smaller tank and we can, we can fuel up as needed. But yeah, sometimes, and that's kind of actually something that's on the table right now. I I may even run the big tank, uh, come to 1000.
0: Nice. Yeah. You know, I find that, that kind of interesting because it's a common, uh, it's a common thing from the rally world, you know, is that these bikes are actually pretty heavy, but at the same time, it kind of makes them stable. I mean, you're starting to see, you know, the, the Ricky Brayback, Skylar House, those guys running rally bikes out there. And I'm, I got a feeling that we may even see some, some Cove, uh rally bikes participating in Baja races soon. And so I, I guess that kind of makes it's, it makes an interesting point, right? You know, that, that trade-off, you know, a heavier bike and stability versus a lighter bike and, and that nimble feeling.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you look back in history, I think that's why obviously the XR650 was, was so dominant down there, right? I mean, it's heavy, but it's stable, um, you know, and even the the, the first gen uh, 450X, right? I mean, I, I've spent a lot of time on those bikes and uh, man, so, you know, sometimes those things are just tough to beat, right? Because they're very comfortable, they're very stable and, uh, you know, they kind of have the weight dispersed as, you know, in, in the right areas and, and, they're, and they're stable. And, and honestly, I think that's that's part of the reason why, um, you know, IMS has done such a good job with their tank design, because it kind of keeps the weight lower mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel so top heavy. So, I mean, there's times I mean, yes, you feel it, but there's times where I'm out there and it, it, you, I mean, you have four and a half gallons of fuel. Right. And it's not as noticeable as you would think it would be. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I can only ima- imagine a rally bike that, you know,
0: has what like double that. <laughs> yeah. Eight, eight gallons, something like that. Yeah, that it's but you know like you said it's the same thing it just spreads it across you know the the entire length of the bike pretty much and then the tanks go down to just about below the mo- or at about the same height as the stator and all the other clutch stuff so yeah. yeah that's it's uh you know it's it's pretty crazy i think uh you know i i don't know i wonder you know i i think that that's going to be like part setup preference you know on on how guys like to ride in that riding style and You know, especially for you, I mean, if it's going to be all I mean, I know that that bike has got to be 100 percent dialed in like every little thing has to be, you know, I run these grips, I run the I run these levers. Everything is just exactly what it needs to be for you.
1: Yeah, you know, and that and that is kind of one of the benefits of, of doing it solo, right. Is, you know, I don't, I don't have the input of two or three other writers, right. It's like, you know, Hey, I can kind of, you know, whereas I kind of had to make concessions in the past. It's kind of like, Hey, I can, I can fine tune this to, to kind of my liking, you know, the, you know, the lever positions or, or grips or whatever it may be, um, bars and, and things of that nature. I can, I can tailor it to my liking. And, uh, so, you know, I guess, I guess that's a trade off for, for, <laughs> for doing all of it.
0: For a little, Yeah yeah true i mean it's, it's some for others like that's what we were talking about earlier you know so like the suspension setup is which way which way do you go and what's the you know where where is this bike going to be really good and where is this going to be okay or where is this bike going to be good you know that's i I think that's a, I I always nerd out on bike builds and and the suspension and setup of things because i just think that you know yeah if you're going to be spending long days in the saddle it's one of those like okay i need to Make sure that this thing is a hundred percent legit. Everything is exactly the way it needs to be. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit about. Uh, all right, we got Baja 400 coming up, and then after that, we got the thousand. Um, are Are you doing any other races? How How are you preparing for the thousand?
1: Well, so that's a good question. So, actually, currently, I'm actually going through some some back rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've suffered from back back issues honestly since I was a kid. I've I've broke. Broke my legs several times, and so I'm a you know I'm a little off center, I guess if you will. So uh, and then compiled with you know 25 plus years of racing off road and just kind of the abuse it suffered. So um, actually it was at the end of June. Um, kind of started going through some treatment to kind of help uh, help fix my back up. So you know that's honestly one thing that I, I really wanted to try to do going into the 1000 is just you know that you know that's a big hindrance, right? Lower back pain you know, just the, the position you are in. So going through that right now. So I've been off the bike for, for several weeks, uh, currently, but, uh, I'm, I'm nearing the end of that. So, um, that's looking hopeful. I'm actually probably going to start getting on the bike this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, my goal was like, I say, the 500, I did the, the first national hair and hound of the year uh, back in January. I did the 500 and, um, so coming up is actually uh, Vegas Torino. Um, Justin Schultz reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be a part of a, a plus 30, uh, pro team. And, uh, honestly, I was actually planning on soloing the event, um, you know, as in preparation for the 1000. Um, but kind of, like I said, kind of coming off some rehab and, and not, not getting the seat time that probably is necessary. I didn't, didn't really want to, you know, take on that endeavor myself. So when Justin reached out, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Sounds like, sounds like a good plan. And, uh, I think we're going to be riding a, a new, uh, gen two, uh, 450 X Honda. So i um, actually kind of excited to do that and try that bike out. I, I have no experience on that platform, but, uh, yeah, excited to go do that with those guys and, um, and outside of that, then it's just going to be logging a lot of miles, uh, to per,
0: prepare for the 1000, For the thousand. What do, you, what do you think about it going, uh, going backwards this year?
1: Uh, I think it's cool.
0: Um, but I think logistically
1: it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, uh, obviously I'm already thinking about it. Obviously there's no map or anything out, but you know, you're just thinking about it. We did, we did the point to point, um, was it, 21, I believe. 21? Yeah. And, um, you know, that was Ensenada Tulipaz. So that was, that was a challenge. Um, but obviously I had, I, uh, I had three other guys with me. Um, so a little bit more manageable but it's funny i was uh, i was talking to uh, my fellow ironman competitor brandon wright uh we were at talking at the 500 and it was like um what are you gonna do for pre-running of 1000 <laughs> and uh, it was funny he's like i don't know if i'm going to you know and i kind of thought i was like i don't know myself personally i i would really like to see the course at least one time mm-hmm. um there again just just, just so there's no surprises, you know, and, and that way you're not like solely, you know, focused on your GPS all the time. Um, you know, that was my plan for 500 and even, even seeing the course once I, I was still kind of looking at my GPS at times that normally I wouldn't have. Cause normally when I go down, like I'll pre-run my section like four or five times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 you know, it kind of becomes second nature at that point. You're not really relying on any type of equipment. Um, but, you know, when you see it once or none, like you're definitely going to be focused on that. And But there again, you know, you, you kind of go back and, and Brandon and I joked about this too. It's like, what approach do you take? Because in my opinion, like you have to take, even, for, even compared to the 500, the approach to the 1,000 is like, to me, it's got to be like a trail ride, mm-hmm. right? Like you kind of have to have that mindset. Like, yeah, I know it's a race, but it's like even more so than the other events. It's like, yeah, you're battling the course, you're battling fatigue, you know, just tiredness, right? Like, I mean, you're going to be on the bike for 30 hours, right? Because this event, I mean, this course is not a thousand miles. It's like 1200 miles. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think the approach is going to be even different than the 500. So um, as far as pre-running goes, I, I don't know, honestly, you know, we've, we've, we've threw out a couple different options, of of doing it but uh yeah it's it's going to be a challenge right i mean either way you shake it you're going to be driving down that peninsula at
0: least a few times mm-hmm. so yeah that that's, that's what uh, that's what makes it interesting you know we were we were talking about this and it's like okay well traditionally you know, let's talk about the normal thousand, right? The normal thousand that does the peninsula run. You start in obviously northern Baja, start in Ensenada. Everybody knows that area. The area is, you know, there's a lot of rough sections in that area, especially as you try and sneak your way out of San Felipe. Uh, Even if you do follow the coast down, like there's still a lot of areas that are pretty beat up. And then as you get further south and especially into southern Baja, a lot of it is big open, you know, rally road, big, you know, I mean, just, I don't want to say graded, but yeah, a lot of it is, is big graded fire road and there's some pockets in there and I know that there's some, you know, some silt beds. I remember some silt bed sections down there that were kind of, eh. but that's, what's going to be interesting this year is you're like, you're going to do the easy stuff first and then it's going to be, who's got, you know, who has the, the stamina still at the end of the event, you know, after being on the bike for 15 hours, you know, 20 hours already.
1: Yeah, that's and honestly, I don't have a ton of experience in the southern part of Baja. Um, we did do the point to point a few years ago, whereas um, I pretty much did um, just above San Ignacio to Loreto. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've seen that section um, a little bit. And then my teammate at the time, Ray Del Foglio, he basically took it from Loreto to the finish. and And Ray told me, like, it, it's that there's that 300 mile section is not exactly smooth (laughs) from, from La Paz to Loretto. Like it's, it's kind of rough too, because there again, I think they do races down there. You know, I think Mm -hmm. there's like different organizations that do it. So essentially you would, you kind of maybe think that like, Oh, it's a little bit smoother, but I don't know if it is, you know, I've heard there's long sections of sand loops basically with, you know, a lot of vegetation on the sides Mm -hmm. that really don't allow you to kind of get off the course and kind of make a new line. So you're kind of in it, and you're kind of you're kind of just uh, gritting your way through it. So it's suffering um, through, it. I guess. Like yeah, there again, I don't know. I don't know what to expect, right? Because yeah. it's like, dang, you're gonna you're gonna start off the race, you know, just just pounding moves Because generally, when it's point to point, you don't you don't generally run into San Felipe, or at least we we didn't in the in the past point to point events. So yeah. um, yeah, it, I'll be curious to see. Like I said, it's probably all the more reason why I need to get out there and, and at least see the course once to be like okay, yeah, I can push a little bit in this section or, or no, because it's just mile and mile and mile of this. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the other, that's the other thing you have to, you want to be able to see a lay eyes on it. So to know where you can push and where you need to kind of just take it
0: easy. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, I could, I could see that, you know, yeah. If you don't, if you don't pre-run and you see this section and you're like, okay, yeah, I can, I'm, I'm going to spend a little bit of energy here. And only to realize a few more miles down the road thinking, OK, well, this is actually where I should have saved up for, you know, and, and, and pushed here, you know, or not even necessarily pushed, but you could have used that energy, you know, in that section. So, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. And especially on a bike, uh, like you mentioned earlier, it's like in a car, if you hit a rock buried in the sand, that's a flat tire, a bent wheel or that's an ouch and you just go about your day. Um, on, on a bike, that's a very different story.
1: So, Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, like we mentioned earlier, like you, you have to be paying attention at all times. And, and I think that just the terrain down there, just, man, there's, there's a lot of those, those, uh, obstacles out there that, man, you, you know, like I say, you, you can kind of get this false sense of comfort, you know, you're in a sandier section, but man, you just, uh, fortunately, I have enough experience down there to know that like there's there's something waiting around, you know, the next loop or turn. Like it's you've always got to be yeah.
0: on your toes, on your toes and ready to go. Well, you technically, if you're riding a motorcycle, if you're riding a dirt bike, you should be on your not well not toes ball ball or your feet, <laughs> right? Yeah. The okay. True. So that brings something, you know. we'll, we'll kind of wrapping it up, I want, I want to talk about the, the sponsors and the guys that, that, you know, that have helped make it happen and, and who your go-to guys for, for setup and stuff like that. But before we get to that, let's talk about the new guys, right? If, if what's the advice that you could give to people that are looking to get into this or, or maybe come down and race Baja for the first time, you know, as you mentioned with all of your experience and all the years racing down there and especially now Ironman, what's the advice you could give to somebody?
1: Honestly, the, the biggest thing I would suggest to somebody is go with somebody who has a lot of experience. Go, go down with somebody who, you know, obviously has a good head on the shoulders, but has experience in Baja and has experience experience doing it at, at, at a higher level. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's really crazy to see some of the some of the teams down there and, and some of the stuff that happens or occurs, right. It's, 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 it's a really, you know, at the end of the day it's, it's really dangerous and you've got to have a really good team behind you. But, and, uh, you know, my thing was is that's why I was fortunate enough that I, you know, somebody asked me to go down there and race with them. I was like, this is perfect, right? Because I can go down there, I can get a feel for it and understanding for it. And I did that for a few years with, with various, you know, teams, And, um, you know, got a good feel for it right before I had to before I decided to take it on myself and and do all the planning and everything together. Um, But if I hadn't went down there with those teams, you know, you're you're pretty much going into the unknown. You don't really know what you're going to do because it's it's just so much different than racing in the States. Um, You know, if you get hurt, what do you do? How do you get out? You know, it's you know, they don't just they just don't run a helicopter to you and fly you out. Um, you know, it's a little bit different. You got to have that different mentality when you're racing, right? You, you got to know that, Hey, like, you know, what's, what's going to happen, you know, what, what, what if something happens here, you know, how do I get out? How long would it take me to get out of this situation? So, um, honestly for any of the young guys doing it, obviously I didn't get to Mexico until my early thirties. Um, you know, sometimes I kick myself. I wish I would have went in my twenties, but um, I don't know if I was mature enough, honestly, uh, to, to, to race down there at that time. So, you know, maybe it was a blessing that I didn't go down there until later in life. Um, you know, I, I have a, a healthy respect for it. Um, you know, I think I did before I even went down there and obviously that just grew as, the, as, you know, the more miles I put down there, it just continued to grow. So that's, you know, my, my, I guess my main advice would be go down there with somebody who knows what they're doing. And then outside of that, just just definitely ride within your means. You know, it's 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 not a national hare and hound. It's it's you know you're in a foreign country, and you got to take all those things into consideration when you're down there. You just you want to make sure that you're, you know, you understand what the, you know, what the the outcome could be if something goes
0: bad. Yeah, that that you know that decision that like we said earlier. I mean, Baja Baja is very patient. You know, you, you'll get away with a lot for a long time and then you won't. So it's a, uh, that's, that's, that's good advice. And I, you know, I've heard it before in that, um, and, and it's a common theme. It's, you know, like have a mentor, have somebody that, you know, has got that, that experience that knows what's going on down there, uh, that can help you because yeah, it's, it's, as you mentioned, you know, it's, I hadn't thought about that before, but yeah, for somebody that doesn't know, it's like, what do you do if you get hurt? You know, a fellow competitor can only help you so much, but what, you know, okay, what's the plan? you know, there's somebody there to alert the organization, but what are you doing after that? You know, how are you getting the bike out? What is the, you know, there's a lot of little, you know, a lot of little things.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's just more challenging. You know, it's just, you know, you gotta, you know, it's, you know, it's easy to go down there and put a bike together and put a team together and go race. But there again, you, you, and, and as having created a team and for several years now, um, you know, you kind of, you're taking all that responsibility on yourself, right? And what you're trying to do is you're trying to, you're trying to plan for every possible scenario, which is impossible, but I mean, just the sheer amount of, you know, it's communications and, you know, support crew and, and, and different things, you know, you got to have, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that you have to put together. Right. So that, Hey, you know, if everything goes according to plan, great, it's a smooth, easy day. Mm -hmm. But if, if something goes South and you know, at least the people within your crew, the riders, everybody knows what, you know, what's, what's the protocol here? What, what do we do? Um, and I think that's where the, maybe the newer, more inexperienced teams that go down there, they, they don't kind of maybe plan for those things. So when it happens, it's kind of a scramble Mm -hmm. and there's, there's a lot of that. So you uh i mean it's tough obviously to plan for everything but you know the best best advice i can give is is to try to you know try to set yourself up for success and and, and really really plan out things and and make sure you have really good communication with your crew you know before during and and i think you'll be all right
0: yeah, yeah that's definitely uh and especially now with the whole sat radio thing has been i think it's bridged the gap you know i I grew up when it was VHF radios only and that was this, you know, that was the best you could do. You know, if you, if you got stuck somewhere, you needed to find the highest mountain to be able to get out. And, you know, if that was, you know, if you're, or if you're in a writing group, you know, when you, when, when the weatherman was down there, um, when they had that, it, you know, obviously it was a little bit different. Um, you had a little bit more reach, but yeah, it's, is something so simple, you know, can, can become so complicated w- without five minutes of planning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean we've 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 done the sat phones. Um, you know, we have radios which is great for short distances. It basically gives gives your crew maybe a 30 second notice that you're coming into a pit.
0: <laughs> it's funny um, how that always works, know. right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and uh, you know, obviously some of the some of the higher higher budget teams, you know, have a helicopter chase so they can have a little bit better communication, but um, but now uh, actually we just had it for this last race with Starlink and that was that was a huge game changer. I mean, the, the chase vehicles had, had internet connection all day long. And, and on myself personally, I carry a Garmin and reach Mm -hmm. so I can communicate via satellite to my crew, you know, at any, you know, if there was an issue at any time. And then with them having the Starlink with internet anywhere, you know, on the peninsula, they can, they can receive my messages and communicate with me. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's huge. That's, it's, it's definitely improving and, and, and making things a, a little bit safer. Yeah.
0: Are you, um, so that's something interesting and, and I know this because of the rally side of it, right? In rally, if you lose your navigation equipment, you have to basically prove to the organization that you were there. Uh, and what we ran across recently, a lot of guys run the 10 minute interval for the tracking on their in reach. Are you, are you doing that? Or are you doing the, like the two minute interval? What do you, how do you have that set up?
1: Yeah, I said when I go down there to Mexico, I basically increase it to I think it's the 2 minute interval. Okay. So, it, it, yeah, my uh, my my chase crew will get uh, updates every 2 minutes.
0: Nice. Yeah, that you know, it's funny I I I even personally I hadn't thought about doing that, but this last time uh we did the so, SoCal Roadbook Rally, I I went on that 2 minute interval and I thought about it later I'm going, there's a lot that can happen in 8 minutes. You know, I mean 2 minutes is a long time in, in those kind of situations, but eight, you know, a full 10 minutes, you know, obviously is uh, is a little bit more challenging. Um, but, it, but at the end of the day, I don't think a lot of people know that. So I guess that's the, that's the, the word of caution. If you're going down there with all this fancy equipment, make sure you know how to use it.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, and you, you gotta have your contacts set up, you know, to, to give them the, the automatic notifications. You have to, you know, make sure you have the contacts preset you know, you can't be doing this, you know, in the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. And it, and it's just making sure that your chase crew understands everything as well. Right. You know, it's like by having, by having the Starlink and having internet all the time, um, as long as your Stella device on your bike is tracking you, right. Like your, your chase, your chase crew can pretty much be up to the minute. Mm-hmm. you know on what's happening right so like even if they don't get a notification from from me to say hey the bike is broke or whatever you know they can look at the tracker and it's like hey he's not moving and he's at race mile whatever you know they can be like okay you know give it a minute or two like is he moving again or is he not right and then they can start kind of you know coordinating and planning from there an action plan to 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 figure out what's going on or you know send me a communication or whatever it is so mm-hmm. Um, you know, because prior prior to having an internet connection down there, it was like you know the tracking's nice, but it only works if you have service. And as you know, I mean, service down there is extremely spotty. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, being able to track the bike, um, like I said, the caveat is you know the Stella device working. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, those things, having those things in place is yeah, it's it's it gives everybody a little bit better peace of mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's quickly become a non negotiable. You know, need to need to have that on there absolutely yeah all right so let's talk about uh sponsors guys that have uh, helped you teams companies that kind of stuff that have uh
1: yeah absolutely um you know i couldn't do, i couldn't do that do any of this without these guys um I have a lot of i have a lot of great industry sponsors but also uh, outside industry sponsors and and one big one is is my my good buddy robert mcadam of mcdiesel Uh, diesel repair shop up here in Reno. Um, man, he uh, he helps me out a ton, you know, because you know, I work a normal job and I'm prepping these bikes in the evening, and there's a lot of times where I'm out in the garage till midnight. Um, and when I call him up and say, Hey, can you give me a hand? Like, he doesn't hesitate at all, he he comes over and, and helps out, and that's huge. Um, so big, big thanks to my buddy Robert, and uh, uh, Mike at Takomoto, he uh, he jumped on board uh, a couple of years ago. was really was really impressed that uh, you know for one at that time we were riding the Husky 501. Um, he was really impressed with the results we were getting on the Husky 501, and and he uh, that's that was kind of his bike of choice and kind of the bike that he specialized in. And he wanted to you know he wanted to help us out. So so Mike at Takomoto has been a, a big supporter of ours. Uh, Baja bound insurance, you know, keeps us covered, you know, when we're crossing the border. That's always a great peace of mind. And, um, uh, the station signs, it's my cousin up in Washington. He supplies us with all our shirts and, 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 uh, you know, signage and whatever we need to, to make sure we're well represented down there. Um, Rhino built, uh, it's another local company up here in Reno. They, uh, they've been helping us out with, uh, with building our lights and things of that nature. So big, big thanks to them. Um, but outside of that, a lot of my industry sponsors are, uh, fly racing, low vision and, uh, Kenda nitro moose pro circuit, IMS, uh, blood lubricants, DDC, REP suspension, uh, quick moto guts. And, uh, yeah, I think that about sums sums up majority of them. But, uh, like I said, without these guys, um, you know, a lot of this wouldn't be possible. And another thing too, to keep in mind is, is like these sponsors that help me out, like I, I reached out to them to help me. Right. Mm. And these are companies that I truly believe in. Right. Like it's, this isn't just a, like, I, I believe in their product. I use their product. It's, it's served me quite well over the last several years. So, yeah. um, you know, and that's, that's a big thing. I, I think it's, I think it's really cool that these guys are willing to help out, you know, uh, racers of my you know level. And, and, uh, I think it's really good to
0: help the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, and that, that's a really valid point. I, you know, I remember, um, I'm kind of different, right. But I remember when I was racing RC cars, remote control, and we were doing the out outdoor nitro, you know, a few big series races and stuff like that. And you would go around and the thing in the pits was a lot of times it was just like whoever was giving away the free shit, you know, whoever, you'd ask somebody about a car and then you knew they were a sponsored driver by them. And it was like, Oh, well it's dialed. Yeah. Okay, cool. But why is it dialed? What do you like? What do you don't like? What, what's the, and there was nothing more than that. So then you were like, okay, well the, there, they were there for the free ride because they were getting stuff for free. And I get it. You know, you want to be, you want to reduce your personal expenditure and, and pass the burden on a little bit. Um, but that's a very important thing that you just said. It's like, you support the companies, but they support you, but it was you first. You're using their product. You understand their product. You prefer their product. And then the help is just like the cherry on top.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these companies, you know, I, they're, they're tried and true in my opinion. And uh, honestly, if they weren't supporting me, I would be buying the product. Right. Yeah. Um, and that, that's what it boils down to, you know, especially when you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, a 30 minute moto or a 20 minute moto, or whatever it may be is different than, you know, being on a bike for 13 to 30 hours or whatever it is. Right. You, you want to have full confidence in, in the products you're using. And uh like I say, there's, there's nothing on my bikes or nothing that I wear that I don't, I don't believe in. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you know, that's important. And especially with what you're doing now as an Ironman, you got it. Literally everything has to be dialed in. So, cause it's always, a- If the glove, the stitching isn't just right. If the boots don't fit just right, you know, the, the goggles, if you're struggling with them, the helmet, if it's, I mean, all of these little things that in, like you said, in a 20 minute moto, you, you may not notice it, you know, and, and that's, and that could make or break. I mean, it's like a helmet being just a little bit too tight or putting a little bit of pressure where it shouldn't, you know, or, you know, in the case of, you know, uh, Mike over at Takamoto helping you with the bike build and, and, and what he's contributed to the team. It's like. All of these little things that, you know, it might just be something very simple, but at the very end of the day, you didn't have to deal with it. And it just worked and it did its job. Absolutely. Yeah. Very nice. Well, awesome. Well, I mean, any, uh, any other updates, anything else, uh, any other advice you remember, or you may want to, anyone you want to say hi to? Uh,
1: no, you know, just, uh, I, I do want to send out a, a big thank you to, you know, all my supporters, obviously my mom and dad have been there, you know, from day one. And, and, uh, man, we've, we've done a lot of racing, a lot of traveling together. And that's been, uh, that's been super great. And I, I really, I mean, my dad's still, still super excited to go to all the races with me and help, help that out as much as possible. I think he's got the Baja bug just as, as bad as I do. Um, but, uh, you know, and also, you know, my, my great uncle Russell, he was, um, he was a big influence in our family as far as like getting involved with motorcycles. Um, he's, he's the reason that any of us ride motorcycles. So, um, he passed away a few years ago, but, uh, but yeah, it's always, you know, always a good remembrance to, you know, go down to these events and and think about that. And so uh, without him, I probably wouldn't be riding motorcycles. So, um, but outside of that, yeah, you know, like I said, uh, I got to think, uh, you know, all, all the teammates that I've had throughout the years, you know, I, I got to thank those guys for, you know, you know, letting me talk them into going down to Baja. Uh, <laughs> a, a lot of the guys, you know, a lot of the guys, it was their first time, you know, up here in Reno, Nevada. We actually have a, a pretty good, decent off-road racing community. Um, there's a lot of good riders. There's been a lot of good riders that have came from this area in the past. And, uh, you know, so I, I kind of approached some of these guys and they're just like, hey, do you want to go to Mexico? And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been really cool. And a lot of these guys, like I said, it was their first time going to Mexico. And here I am trying to be like, don't worry, it's safe. You're good. You know, just, just do these things, you know? And, uh, and, uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they believed in me. They, and they, they came along. So I got to thank all those guys. I've had several teammates throughout the last few years, but, uh, you know, also, also my chase crew, those guys, uh, I, I honestly can't thank them enough. Right. I mean, we're, every race you're down there for a week plus right mm-hmm. so you know they're taking time away from their family their jobs you know basically just come help me right, right. I mean that's a that's a totally uh, you know you know unselfish thing to do and and uh, I appreciate them for, for everything they do so yeah um, awesome, yeah. awesome. So say thank you to all those guys.
0: yeah excellent well cool well I will let you get back to your day. And uh, I, I know you got some prep to do, and we got some racing coming up. So, uh, and and hopefully staying out of the heat.
1: Yes, yeah, I'm gonna like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back on the bike uh, here uh, this weekend and, and start getting some miles in and getting ready for Vegas, Reno, and I, I know Vegas is uh, not exactly cool this time of year. So, um, but I think I think my plan is to is to start the race and finish the race for the team. So, nice. um, you know. I'll, I'm sure I'll get the heat once we get up here, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I look forward to it and be good.
0: Well, the, the good thing is, is you're finishing in your backyard. So that's okay.
1: <laughs> that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was funny,
0: Justin. That's what he said. He's like, well, you should know the area
1: pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah. It's, 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 it's out of all the sections. It's, it's probably the, not the funnest section, but I'm like, yeah, I've done it many times. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah.
0: so, you know, the flow. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and sorry.
1: One, one last thing. Sure. One last thing too. I I got to, I got to thank my wife and kids obviously for, for uh, allowing me to pursue my passion there again. You know, they were fortunate enough to come down, um, a few years ago to the ball 500 experience event with me. That was really cool. So, um, but you know, I'm gone for a week at a time or so. So I, uh, I really got to thank them for, for putting up with me going down and, uh, pursue my passion and also the long evenings and, and weekends, uh, doing all the prep work. So big yeah. thanks to my, my uh, wife and kids.
0: Yeah. It, it's only you on the bike, but there's a whole team and there's a whole group of people behind it, you know, that make that happen. So that's awesome. That's, that's oh really yeah.
1: Cool. And, and honestly, I think I, I have a pretty small group, you know, of people yeah. uh, that, that, that help me out, but uh, man, it's, it's, you know, everybody, everybody does a great job and, and uh, yeah, super, super, super glad that they, uh, they support my efforts. Nice.
0: excellent well we'll see uh we'll probably meet him and see him at uh at a few of the races absolutely awesome all right sir well perfect well enjoy the rest of your day and i appreciate you taking the time and uh to be on the show and we'll get uh i'll get you the links and all that when it's uh when it's ready to go
1: all right i appreciate it i you know uh, let me take a few moments to to talk about my story, and, uh, yeah. and yeah, I look forward to hearing it.
0: Yeah, we'll keep uh, we'll keep up with you, and we'll look for the updates from uh, Vegas to Reno, the four hundred, and then ultimately the thousand. So, awesome, sounds good. Awesome, thank you. All right, thank you, right. David. Oh, see ya. What? All right, so there you have it, Jason alosi. Very, very interesting. Is you know, the, I've always kind of divided it up, right? You have the Ironman, you have the pro moto, you have all of these different age classes. You have these things going on here at the, you know, in the score international and the desert off-road racing here in North America. And the Ironman class is a very interesting class in that. And it's, it has that similarity with rally that it's just you on the bike. The days are very much the length, except, you know, you're not seeing the liaisons that you would in some of the in some of the rally events. Right. It's still a long day in the saddle. Right. Six, seven hundred miles, you know, a thousand plus kilometers in some of these stages. But, you know, you're talking about a 300 kilometer sprint race coupled by a few hundred kilometer commute where in the sprint racing side of it. And and particularly in these kind of races is you're talking about uh a basic sprint race the entire time you were on the bike it's 100% focus not to mean that you don't focus on liaisons rally where it gets its in, infamy or or more famous uh endurance side of things is the fact that you do it day in and day out for several days at a time you know so it's very interesting how people would prepare for an ironman event and i'd be curious to see the transition right if some of these guys that said okay you know i like the uh, I like the Ironman aspect of it. I understand the sprint racing side of it, but you know, maybe I want to try this rally thing. You know, you think about it and I mean, I, I feel like it's one of those, like you've got, uh, you've got a whole season. I mean, in one race you cover so much terrain and you pay so much money, you know, and then you turn it around and, and rinse and repeat. And in a rally, it's like, well, five or six days of racing one week. That's it. No pre-running. I mean, I'd it, it, be interesting to see the comp, the cost comparison in, in that. But nevertheless, there is still the the Baja crowd, right? That's what we were talking. And that's why we started this whole thing. And, and again, it, it all started out with um, with Nathan over at Countershocks uh, and and talking about this and, and trying to push right you know talking to Andy Kirker about building the moto class and getting the motos back in and he's done so much for the moto side of things to try and get more people in get more sponsors on board get all of these things going and the moto class is, is growing and I think we'll continue to grow and there's fresh blood coming in and there's people that are moving throughout the classes so I it, it's really really awesome and I think that it is a great introduction into Baja I think that it is Like, you know, you heard Jason say is like some of this is is trail riding. Right. You know, you may not be if you enter the pro moto class. Okay, cool. You're out there and you're working your way and you're you're competing against the top. Right. And you could go into some of the other classes. You know, you have the limited class, you know, with the 250s. Uh, great. You know, it's a light, easy bike to handle, you know, it, it, they're still very peppy. There's nothing, you know, not really detracting anything from them, Uh different group of competition. And I think that that is uh, also a class that needs to grow and continue to grow. And so there's a little bit of everything, you know, depending on where you want to go. And do you want to trail ride the thing? Who are you competing against? Right. Are you competing against the next bike or are you competing against Baja? You know and i think that for a lot of people just like in rally it's like you should be competing against the terrain and you should be competing against the 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 navigation in their case and 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 see where the cards lie you know the vast majority of people uh, may not be there to contend in that top 10 spot that top five spot you know battle for the podium you know at least in the first few shots but once you get familiar with it and you start building that momentum then you start seeing the results and then you start moving. And there's a lot of great companies that can help. And and as you guys have heard a couple of times now on the show is like partner with somebody that knows partner that somebody that's been through there, that's experienced it and has that, you know, that, that, you know, hey, don't forget about this or no, no, no. You don't want to pack that on the bike. You know, you're going to have a pit that's going to have that every 50 miles. You know, w- what are the things that you can do to eliminate you know, and, and shortcut, right. Get that curve to not be as steep, you know, and, and be more productive in every racing effort every time you go out there. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there and that's, you know, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm digging, you know, talking to these people and doing the back to Baja thing, because I think that that is, we're exposing some other things that I think there's some carryover. You can go between the two event styles. You know, if you're doing cross country rally, or if you're doing, you know, more of an off-road Baja, you know, sprint type setup. I think there's a lot of similarities in that. And I think that, you know, some of what is happening in Baja is transferring into rally and maybe vice versa, right? You heard a little bit about the heavier bikes. Um, you know, you, we've seen that, you know, Skylar and Ricky Brabeck have ran both the rally bikes out there uh, in like Vegas to Reno and that kind of stuff. You know, the, the heavier bike is proving and and as Jason mentioned it, you know, look back at the times of the XR650 the XR650R. That was a pretty heavy bike. And did it have that most ideal suspension on it? And compared to some of the new motocross bikes? No, but it was definitely a heavier bike, a stable platform. And you could literally get your hands on one now, if you could find one and go down into Baja and there are going to be part, you are going to run across several of those bikes across the peninsula. So there was just the mainstay bike. They were just the staple. So A lot of this has to do, and a lot of this goes back to, okay, am I building the bike? Do I have this bike dialed in for what I want it to do? Is everything in the right place? Is everything that, you know, like, does everything feel right? You know, I think that's the biggest thing. And so I'm looking forward to it you know, I'm looking forward to finding out more of it. I'm looking forward to going down to the races and hanging out and, and finding out more and talking to more people and just kind of getting back into it on a different aspect. You know, I raced years, you know, the family raced for years. My brother still continues to feel the UTV down there. And I think that that is one of the be- best, you know, environments to kind of be in, you know, life gets in the way and it gets difficult to get down there and do all of these things. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, I guess, you got to have to hit the pause button every once in a while and, and you know, take a look around. I feel like that's a kind of a Ferris Bueller quote. I won't quote it because I don't want any of that copyright stuff or anything. But if you haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you need to go watch that movie. It'll teach you some things. Anyway, with that being said, guys, remember, it'll make sense when you get there. Enjoy the ride. What's going on, guys? Victor with the Chasing Waypoints podcast. All right. Are you looking to promote your brand to a worldwide audience on the podcast? Drop us a line at podcast at chasingwaypoints.com and let's talk. See what we can do about getting you some more ears for your company and getting the word out worldwide. All right. That is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, Looking forward to our next one coming up. Remember, if you are out riding, do not forget to tag us at Chasing Waypoints. Hashtag Chasing Waypoints. And if you haven't already, get on over to the website. Get signed up for the newsletter, The Bivouac. North America's Rally Raid and Adventure Riding newsletter hey let's have some fun let's find out what you guys up to let's get you featured if you're a brand and looking to get supported get some eyeballs get some ears on your business absolutely hit us up send us a message at podcast at chasing waypoints but anyway that is a wrap remember shiny side up see you guys